Good morning and uh, welcome with uh, welcome to uh, worship with the Templar Knight. Um, let's uh, dive right into our worship service today and uh, hear God call you to worship through his word. After this, I looked and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all the tribes and peoples and languages standing before the throne and before the Lamb clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Listen to this uh, praise to God. Pray. Praise, O servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord from now on and forevermore. From the rising of the sun to its setting, the name of the Lord is highly to be praised. High above all nations, the Lord is exalted in his glory above the heavens. Who is like the Lord our God, who is dwelling on high, and nevertheless he comes down to visit what is in heaven and on earth? He raises the humble from the dust and lifts the poor from the filth to make him sit with princes, with the princes of the, his people. He makes the barren women fruitful and into a mother who rejoices over children. Amen. Hear God's law and his will for your life. Our Lord said, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. And bow your heads and confess your sins. Almighty, eternal God, forgive us our sin and lead us to eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Receive these words of comfort from God. When my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came to you into your holy temple. Those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. But I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Confess what you believe about the Christian faith. And Ephesians Creed Part 2. Whoever desires to be saved should, above all, hold to the Catholic faith. Anyone who does not keep it whole and unbroken will doubtlessly perish eternally. Now this is the Catholic faith, that we worship one God in Trinity, and the Trinity in unity, neither confounding their persons nor dividing the essence. The Father was neither made nor created nor begotten from anyone. The Son was neither made nor created. He was begotten from the Father alone. The Holy Spirit was neither made nor created nor begotten. He proceeds from the Father and the Son. Accordingly, there is one Father, not three fathers. There is one Son, not three sons. There is one Holy Spirit, not three Holy Spirits. None in this Trinity is before or after. None is greater or smaller in their entirety. And the three persons are co-eternal and co-equal with each other. So in everything, as we said earlier, in unity and Trinity, and, and Trinity and unity is to be worshipped. Anyone 
then who desires to be saved should think thus about the Trinity. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Instead of a catechism lesson today, I want to read you this sermon uh, by Andy Cook. Uh, this is about pain, purpose in your pain. The Apostle Paul is the New Testament's version of the unsinkable Molly Brown and was the case of the Titanic's most famous save, survive, survivor, Paul. Paul simply refused to go down with the ship, literally. Three, ta- three times Paul was shipwrecked, and he once spent a full day, a night, a day, as he puts it, on an open sea. Other problems along the way. Try being stoned, scourged five times, and being beaten with fist, rods, and words. He'd been scored, chastised, scandalized, and slandered. He'd been the focus of riots and deaths, death threats. After one harrowing near-death experience, he was snake bit. His focus, he focused his energy and resilience were nearly frightening. In the fact, the only thing that seemed to discourage Paul were the problems in his young churches. To read Paul's letters to those churches, one might come with the idea that Paul was continually frustrated and that his work wasn't very successful. After all, those early letters were filled with corrections, some of them quite harsh. But in reality, Paul's work changed the world in places like Athens, Ephesus, and Corinth the once powerful temples and religion of the Greek gods that so dominated his culture are in ruins. And yet billions have and are reading Paul's letter, memorizing passages and following the instructions that Paul was still preaching his passionate message in our culture. Upon accepting an award, the late Jack Benny remarked, I really don't deserve this, but I have arthritis and I don't deserve that either. The following are actual responses from comments cards that people uh, had given staff members in uh, a wilderness area. Trails need to be water, wider so people can walk uh, while holding hands. Trails need to be reconstructed. Please avoid building trails that go uphill. Too many bugs and leeches and spiders and spider webs. Please spray the wilderness to rid of these pests. Please pave the trails so they can be snowplowed during the winter. Chairlifts need to be in in some places so that we can uh, get to wonderful views without having to hike to them. The coyotes made too much noise last night and kept me awake. Please eradicate these annoying animals. A small deer came into my camp and stole my jar of pickles. Is there a way I can get reimbursed? Reflectors need to be placed on trees every 50 feet so people can hike at night with flashlights. Escalators would help on the steep uphill sections. A McDonald's would be nice at the trailhead. The place where trails do not exist are not well marked. Too many rocks in the mountain. That's unbelievable. 
We're not fond of pain and even slight discomfort. We rebel at suggestions of it uh, and recoil at the sight of it and reject the suggestions that might be good for us. But the lessons of life are almost always taught in the classroom of suffering, whether you're suffering through the elementary school spelling quiz, dealing with an excruciating pain or disease or a heartbreak of grief. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7 through 10. To keep me from becoming conceited because of these surpassingly great revelations, there was given me a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me, but he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore I will boast all the, the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in the insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. From a logical point of view, it would seem that God would reward those who, who do good with less pain. Certainly, it would seem that God would give those in the Christian ministry a free pass from pain. After all, missionaries, church planters, and pastors work for God. Wouldn't it be a good idea? Would it, when would it be in your power to take special care of those who work for you? Paul didn't get a pass from pain. In fact, as he set about in his world planting churches and becoming the leader of the evangelistic movement among Gentiles, he seemed to endure an incredible amount of pain. His resume of suffering appears near this very passage, 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 11, verses 23-29. And it includes multiple imprisonments, beatings, floggings, canning, Life-threatening experiences, a stoning, shipwrecks, and a night and day floating in the open sea. He hadn't always had enough food, clothing, sleep, or friends. He'd, be, he'd been chased by bandits and infuriated religious leaders. He battled temptation and anxiety over his young churches. And now there was a thorn in his flesh. How bad was this particular pain? It was straight from hell bad. If you read the passage closely enough, it was a message from Satan sent to torment him. Perhaps a person going through the excruciating process of cancer treatments could tell us how bad pain can become. Or perhaps it's one of those uh, who suffers with Lou Gehrig's disease or arthritis or multiple sclerosis or any number of stunning array of diseases, disabilities, or, or discouragement that uh, can come our way. Paul asked God to remove the pain, whatever it might be. Perhaps Paul explained why it would be a good idea to have pain removed. He could plant more churches. He could write more letters. He could win more converts, raise more money, or mentor more disciples. He could prove the power of God even more with the miracles that were so common. Ephesians 4, instance, Acts chapter 19, uh, verses 11 through 12. Paul asked again and again on three separate occasions. Paul pulled out the stops to ask God for a miracle of his own. Please, God. Please, God. Please, God. The pain didn't go away. 
whatever the problem, it apparently stayed with Paul for quite some time or even the rest of his life. Jesus knew of the pain, of course, weeping at the tomb of Lazarus and over the unrepentant Jerusalem. He knew the physical pain of the cross and the personal pain of betrayal. He had seen rejection and disappointment as surely as you have. It seems silly to make the case that pain is part of life. Life starts with a good slap to the baby's bottom and in some aspects goes downhill from there. We already know the pain happens. Here's a really important question. Will you find the positives in your pain? All did, and you can. Perhaps you already have. You know, pain has a purpose. This point of theology is really tough. There's a fine line here that must not be crossed, lest we cause even more pain to someone who suffers. We must, we must never glibly explain someone's pain as a work of God. It's not wise or even biblical to tell someone in pain that God won't give them more than they can bear. After all, that passage, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, is clearly about avoiding temptation, not overcoming pain. Instead, the, this idea is best used as a self-study. In the midst of pain that will not leave you might be able to discover at least part of your purpose your pain has. The kind of process leads to a maturity found through no other process. These are the lessons that uh, can be learned only in the classroom of suffering and only the student enrolled there is allowed to make that discovery. Look at the patches we just read. Paul concluded from, for himself that this thorn was meant to keep him from becoming conceited in his malicious life and, and ministry. Since since we know so much about this man's work and suffering, I'd suggest some more positive purposes with Paul's pain. In Philippi, uh, Paul and Silas were beaten in public and taken away to the town's dungeon. The men were that day's leading headline, and the, the, all of the Philippi was talking about them. Surely it became known that they had come to town speaking of, Jew, of the Jewish Messiah. Imagine the headlines from the next morning. When the details in the midnight song, Earthquake, the jailer's conversion became known, during the beating the day before Paul and Silas must have been screaming their prayers to God, begging for relief. The relief didn't come. But the message of Christ exploded in the sad city, in a large part because of the unfair suffering they'd known. In Ephesus, Paul Paul's had the has what might be his most successful ministry in Italy. Preaching therefore more than two years until all who lived in the province of Asia heard the gospel, Acts chapter 19, verse 10. Suddenly, in as little time as it takes to incite a riot, 25,000 people packed the local theater and screamed their disapproval of the message that was threatening the worship of Artemis, one of the most important economic engines of the city. In that riot, most of the people weren't sure of what the fuss was about, Acts chapter 19, verse 32. What would you do in the hours that followed such an event. Would you want to know what caused such a fury? Though Paul never got to preach to the crowd as he wanted to do, you can bet thousands of people heard the details of the gospel that day. Perhaps more hearing. 
in a single day than heard in the past two years combined. But at that moment, Paul only knew the pain of having to leave his home and his, his ministry in a hurry. Like Paul, perhaps most of us can see the purpose of our pain right at first. If someone you love gets orders to deploy to a war, you'll know the truth of the old saying that absent makes the heart grow fonder. fonder. If you're the one forced to leave, the pain of separation will greatly increase in the intensity and the intensity of training, preparation, and work. Only the pain of Pearl Harbor and 9-11 mobilized an entire nation to take the actions it needed to take. First in World War II and now in a global war against terror. And in both of those cases, the pain of the great loss clouds the, version, the vision of uh, the pain's purpose. The same is true for our personal pain. In the midst of the suffering, it's extremely difficult to find the purpose of our pain and to celebrate that purpose. Unless, of course, faith plays a role. In the midst of that uh, pain, there is an opportunity, faith maturity, that could accelerate your Christian growth like nothing else possibly could. It takes a tremendous step of faith to pray to God who allows the suffering and say, God, I don't know the purpose of this pain, but I trust you have a purpose in it. There was a pastor who battled leukemia for more than 20 years before dying in 2003, brought firsthand insight to pain's purpose in the life of Joseph, meeting God at a dead end. From Joseph's point of view, there was a time in his life when every angle of life showed nothing but pain sold by his own brothers, betrayed by his employer's wife, forgotten by friends in a prison, and ignored by God who once had promised him a position of leadership and power. If Joseph had been 16 or 17 when he was captured, how many years of suffering passed before he understood God's hand in the process? We can tell a story in a minute or two, but for Joseph, time was moving in, agonizing, painful slowness, Perhaps 10, 15 years passed. That's a long time to spend in, wait, in a waiting room. Pastor wrote. That's a long time to spend parked on a dead end. As it turned out, God was very much at work, right in the middle of the pain. God was working in the courts of Egypt. God was working in weathered patterns that circled the globe. God was working in his brother's lives. And most importantly, God was working on Joseph's own heart, testing and probing and forming a young man who simply would not waver from his faith in God, even if life took him to the bottom of the dungeon or to the height of the power and prosperity. But make no mistake about it. As God worked, the waiting was hard for Joseph, bitterly hard. There was no guarantees for any of us, even those called into ministry. Pain happens. 
for those who will dare search for the pain's purpose, there is one more thing. Pain has power. In this particular passage, Paul receives a special message from the Lord. If you've gotten a red-letter Bible, more than likely you've already spotted the red-letter moment. Jesus told Paul, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. The message and the messenger gave Paul a tremendous boost. Perhaps we should note that Paul didn't hear from the Lord very often. According to most scholars' timelines, Jesus was crucified about A.D. 30. Paul was saved about five years later on the road to Damascus. It was a miraculous salvation experience complete with the blinding light and the thunderous voice of Jesus sending Paul into three days of repentant fasting. In just a few weeks, Paul had another supernatural experience in Jerusalem when he saw the Lord speaking while in a trance. Acts chapter 22, verse 17. There, Jesus told Paul to take the message of the gospel to the Gentiles and instructions that represented a major shift in missions and in Paul's personal life. Before this moment, he wouldn't share, have shared leftover bread with a Gentile, much less a message of hope and love. But 16 years at least passed before Paul had another such recorded experience. Two miraculously uh, personal encounters occurred in maybe 16 weeks and not another one for 16 years. And that next miraculous message, it would be another six years at least before the next. And according to the record of Acts, there was never another one. Paul also had a vision, however, of a man of from uh, Macedonia, Acts chapter 16, verse 9, and an angel of the Lord, Acts chapter 7, uh, verses 23-24. And perhaps he had other such encounters, but Luke only tells of these. I think it's fair to say that most of Paul's pain, Jesus didn't show up. Peter, the natural leader of the post-Pentecost church, um, had only two such experiences according to Luke's history. Stephen also had a miraculous appearance from the Lord. But only as the last moment as he prepared to die. None of those New Testament heroes had a personal appearance from the Lord at every beating, scourging, or arrest. They must have suffered a great deal in relative silence, and they must have wondered many times why God would allow it. When Paul kept asking for his thorn to be removed, he got that uh, got a direct lesson in pain's power from the Lord himself. Read uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7 through 10 again. In other words, Paul decided he was fine with the pain. If Christ's power was upon him in the pain, that he would rather have the strength of Christ than his own weakness. When I am weak, then I am strong, Paul said, and that's the power of pain. Have you noticed how people listen to people in pain with a special intensity? People watch those who are hurting to see what's, uh, what's, what matters most to them. If the pain is great enough, you'll find out where the strength of the person really lies. You'll see the character on the inside that inspires all of us. 
I can take that. Uh, I've seen a lot of pain in my life, and I and I my my wife today uh, had an operation on her shoulder, and I see her strength even through her pain. And I have another. My son's friend is going through a tremendous issue and be put back in the hospital and and can see his strength just talking to him even though we're playing xbox games i can see his strength he's he's just a great person um, i think things will hopefully turn around for him it's uh and we're going to pray about that later it's a prime time to witness but all eyes are on a person who hurts in the world of sports, it might be uh, somebody limping back to a huddle before taking his team to a Super Bowl title. In the movies, look at Rocky getting up off the map one more time. In real life, it's a wounded soldier coming home, still proud of the uniform and the duty that cost him so much. And in the New Testament, it's Paul's crawling out from underneath a pile of rocks and this, dusting himself off and heading to dirt. When we see such passion in the midst of such pain, we applaud it, follow it, and find inspiration of our for our own lives through the example of others. There is some pain so great it seems impossible to bear. From that place only God can meet the need or heal the heart. Unfortunately, it is in the, that place of the greatest pain and there alone that the discovery can be made, the power of pain. Like nothing else, it can introduce us to the power of God. But the lesson is so difficult. The only way any of us would discover it is, is that God allows pain to be part of our lives. Pain happens. Pain has a purpose. And pain has a power. In concluding, The beauty, let's take the beauty of a single pearl or a string of the precious stones in the, it's unmistakable. You jewels capture the eye quite like the perfect pearl. Know how the pearl came to be? In the beginning, it was only a grain of sand, that tiny little irritant slips inside a tight seal of the oyster shell and immediately causes discomfort. With no way to expel the grain of sand, with no way to ease the pain, the oyster coats the sand with a layer of inner lining of its shell to make the sand smooth. This still does not ease the oyster suffering. Again and again, the oyster coats the sand, but all the attempts to get rid of the irritant have little effect. As far as the oyster is concerned, what we call a pearl is nothing more than great suffering. But one day the oyster is fished from the water and opened. The gem inside has amazing beauty and holds great value, all because the oyster had a great suffering. Maybe it's no accident that 12 gates of the New Jerusalem in Revelations chapter 21, verse 21, are made of pearls. It's the suffering of our Savior that allows the gate to be there in the first place. And more likely, more than likely, all who enters those priceless gates we have also known the personal cost of great suffering. 
there's a lot there to take in in that sermon. And, and you can beat it. You can beat whatever your pain is. Look for the positives in that pain and be successful in overcoming and spreading the joy of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because he's there with you no matter what type of pain you're in. He's there. He might not reach out to you right away, but he's there. He's in our hearts. No matter if you've been away from God or never thought that there was a God, he'll accept you back in. Our Lord Jesus Christ loves everyone, no matter who you are or where you've been. Ask for your forgiveness. And he'll take you right back and he'll take you in. He loves you so much. As you listen to these words, ask God to enlighten your heart and mind. Divine Spirit, illuminate to me the words of the Lord. Show me the wealth of glory that lies beneath the old familiar stories. Teach me the depths of meaning hidden in the songs of Zion. Raise me to the heights of aspiration that is reached by the wings of the prophet. Let me lift me to the summit of faith that is trod by the feet of the apostles. Open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. Amen. Let's bow our heads and make your request to God, to God and listen to the prayer. And try to pray along. Oh, bless the Lord and Savior. You have commanded us to love one another. Grant us grace that, having received your undeserved bounty, we may love every man in you and for you. We ask your blessings for all, but especially for the friends whom your love has given to us. Love them, O fountain of love, and make them to love you with all their heart with all their mind and with all their soul, that those things only which are pleasing to you they may will and speak and do. And through, and though our prayer is cold because our charity is so little fervent, yet you are so rich in mercy. Measure not to them your goodness by the dullness of your devotion, but as your kindness surpasses all human affection, so let your hearing transcend our prayer. Do to them what is expedient for them, according to your will, that they may be, they being always and everywhere ruled and protected by you, may attain in the end of the everlasting life. Amen. Let's further make petition uh, with your own personal prayer to our Lord Jesus Christ. Take another moment or so.
as you, uh, in closing uh, our short worship here, let's pray the words that Jesus taught us to pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Thank you for joining me here today on this uh, and listening to this podcast of a short worship with the Templar. I also want to uh, say this short prayer for people who are ill and are in pain right now. Lord, God, great healer of all, I pray right now for friends who are ill, who are going, who are being treated or going to be treated in the hospital. Please give the nurses and doctors wisdom in knowing how to best help our friends and how to help our friends get better. Please give your courage in suffering. Give your comfort in pain. Give your strength in weakness. Give your hope in uncertainty. Please come near to their families and our friends to help them through this very difficult time. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Again, thank you for joining me here today. If you have any prayer requests, or if you're curious about becoming a Templar, please go to our website at www.americanightstemplars.com. Again, that's www.americanightstemplars.com. We also have a little chat thing set up there, but give us a little while because sometimes we don't get these chat messages very soon or in a timely fashion. So be, please be patient with that. we will be more than happy to answer any questions you have. Um, you can join us there at that website as well, and then uh, we'll give you information uh, to help you become a, a postulant in cases. So please uh, don't hesitate, and please send uh, if you have prayer requests again. It's www.americanightstemplars.com. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. God bless you continually.